The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 10th Doctor in River Song, Big Finish audio story, Precious and Annihilation. No, Precious Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak. I'm Don Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt or phone case or any other kind of stuff with our little logo slapped on it by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. And uh, stick around to the end of the episode. We do have more listener feedback. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. I'm wearing the merch for that shirt, uh, for that show. It's called Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at <laughs> mysterious.fm. And uh, there's a great image of me there. So if people watching the video <laughs> can to, see me. Next yeah. to the ghost. Yes, there he goes. That's right. And some other guy. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about Precious Annihilation. And uh, Jimmy, could you give us a recap of what happens in this one? This week, the Tenth Doctor and River Song show up in London in 1912. They're on the trail of some jewels that were recently dug up in a mine. And these jewels contain alien technology that causes them to implode and kill people. They trace the jewels back to the year 1632, uh, 280 years earlier, where they were sold by a gym dealer named Gerard Pullman. However, they learned that the jewels were actually made by his apparent wife, a woman named Omara. Currently, Pullman is on a ship owned by the East India Company, and when they find him, they learn that some time ago, Omara tried to leave Pullman, but he couldn't bear to lose her and killed her. He also swears that the jewels were not meant to kill anybody, that they were only a backup plan, a safety feature. And Omara had previously planted similar artifacts on other worlds before planting them on Earth. To ensure that the artifacts were kept by the natives, she always disguises these devices as whatever a given culture considers valuable, which in this case was jewels. The artifacts, like the jewels, are powerful enough to destroy a planet, and they can't be stopped once they've started imploding, which, of course, they have in 1912. The sailors on the ship turn on Pullman and the Doctor and River, and Pullman jumps overboard to his death. But first, he gives the Doctor a locket that lets him communicate with Omara's ghost. The Doctor, River, and the TARDIS are then thrown overboard. After getting aboard the underwater TARDIS, the Doctor and River create a psychic link between the locket and the TARDIS, and the TARDIS uses that to take them to where Omara is in the year 1912. It turns out that Omara is a skeleton on an alien spaceship in a condemned mine, only the ship also has a digital consciousness version of Omara. She explains to the Doctor that her people plant the implodey treasures, like the jewels, on planets that have a history of destroying indigenous populations that may one day become a threat to their homeworld. It's a failsafe against future bad behavior by the planet, and Earth does have a history of destroying native populations. The Doctor has been uh, to one of the planets that she destroyed, but he argues that Earth doesn't deserve this fate because of the good it will do in the future. Meanwhile, Omara's ship starts drawing 
uh, power through the psychic link with the TARDIS, and River is afraid that Omara could then use the amplified range to trigger the implosion of all the planets that she's implanted with artifacts. But the Doctor lets her have this power and begs her to deactivate the artifacts. In the end, Omara does so, saving the Earth and perhaps other worlds. The Doctor offers to take Omara's digital imprint on board the TARDIS so she can live to see that her people's work was unnecessary. But Omara says that she's seen enough and doesn't want more life as a digital imprint, something that River very much agrees with, to the Doctor's chagrin, given that that's how he's going to save her at the end of her life. The end. Okay. Uh, Father Corey, what would you think of this one? I enjoyed it. It was, it was enjoyable. Listen, of course, you know, it is audio book or audio story. So you have to, it's uh, audio. You only, can only listen to it, but it was an enjoyable listen. It was a, a lot of fun, um, fun, you know, the interaction between David Tennant's doctor and, and river song is always, you know, it was a treat, it, you know, cause that is kind of one thing that we miss. We only see the two of them together in her final story, technically mm-hmm. in his first story with her, the doctor's first story with her. So get to a little more interaction. I know there's other stories out there as well that the Big Finish has done that are worth investigating as well. Very good. How about you, Jimmy? What did you think of this? Yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as the previous 10th Doctor and River Song story we covered, Expiry Dating, but it was enjoyable. And as Father Corey points out, it is the first time after silence in the library and forest of the dead that we've actually had the two of them physically interacting during an adventure because they don't technically meet during expiry dating but here they do and they get to go on an adventure together Mm. i like this one it felt short although it wasn't it was a full hour you know Mm -hmm. almost an hour long story um it it felt like it went pretty quick um, I missed some of those details that you related in the recap, Jimmy. And I'm thinking back, going, oh, yeah. Uh, for some reason, maybe it's just I don't pick up on the audio stuff as well as I do when it's when there's a visual component. But I did like, as you both mentioned, um, you know, the tenant and tenant's doctor and River, Alex Kingston's River, uh, interacting. Um, it's it had the same energy and chemistry and and the the writing really captured it. So I, I did enjoy that. Um, I was curious about you know the, this the dual time range that they were in. They were nineteen twelve and sixteen thirty two, and you know the um, Pullman was all in sixteen thirty two traveling mm-hmm. from India aboard an East India uh, merchant ship, um, which is pretty early isn't it 1632 well they had the east they had the east india company then i wasn't oh, clear yeah. if he was traveling to or from india right i thought it sounded like he was from yeah yeah because mm-hmm. he'd been they said he'd been out of his uh where uh, his, his workshop, workshop for years right right and yeah and was he married to someone else as well before mm-hmm. No, it, as far as uh, I didn't pick up on that. As far as okay. I know, he was only Omara was popularly regarded as his wife. Right? Okay, and he had met her in India um, at a facility that was processing diamonds that had been mined in India, and he he was enchanted by her and by her ability to enchant the jewels and just make stuff out of them magically they would reform mm-hmm. themselves for her and he eventually took her to to England which was his home but he knew it wasn't really hers um and then at some point they had they had 
he, she was going to leave him and he killed her and he left, then left again. Okay. And, um, but he killed her in, uh, England or in India? Yeah, in England. That's how, and that's how her skeleton ends up in the mine. Okay. Right. And that's the, the mine is where, uh, the cheap side hoard is found. And the, the, that's what the 1912 part of the story is, um, in this area of London called the cheap side, which Mm-hmm. I gather it's not a real place, but uh, perhaps uh, I, I tried to look it up, but I didn't find it. Um, but this hoard of of you know jewelry was discovered and unearthed and and uh, and you know included these explosive jewels. Apparently, the Cheapside hoard shows up again in Big Finish mm-hmm. in a twenty twenty one story called Eleven's Eleven, which which is a play on Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, that that the, we made the, we, we, the eleven yeah. is a villain that a time lord who has a kind of regenerative dissociative identity disorder. Hmm. He shows up in a lot of big finish. Nice. Okay, uh, that might be worth a a, a look. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, even more. I was going to talk to you all about this after yep. that one in that same unit set. They have an, a story featuring Tom Baker as the curator called The Curator's Gambit. And I thought, oh, we should oh. do some curator stories because there, there are a few go. of them that Big Finish has. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I would love to hear some uh, some more Tom Baker. Um, Speaking of Tom Baker, we should mention that as we record this, it's like a day or two after his 90th birthday. Yeah, happy yes. birthday, Tom. Yes, yes. the, uh, Very much the so. timeless time lord. <laughs> and, uh, and so they have um, – you know, the, one of the things they discover about the exploding jewel, not everything that they've that is uncovered is exploding. There's this actually really like b- uh, bizarre episode right in the, when the doctor shows up. He's at um, a, a pub with and then Rivers there pretending to be a, a waitress, and um, another waitress there has these earrings, of jewels, and as she walks away, they explode <laughs> and mm-hmm. presumably blow Im- her head Im- off. Im- implode. Implode! Oh, which is even worse. Which <laughs> that sounds messy. Um, but uh, it was like, wow, that's really dark. <laughs> yeah, there, like, like that, that, you know, that that happens. Um, and that's and what it, it's happens. done off off screen, so to speak. You, know, you can hear it in the yeah. background that that something happened, and then they say, oh, her head just, you know, something like her head just imploded. Like how how would these work? Like what would be the the how would the damage be caused with an implosion? Would like be sucking things into a particular Mm -hmm. spot yep Yep. Uh, and and that's how actually that's how we trigger hydrogen bombs and a lot of nuclear bombs is with an implosion that then compresses the uranium or plutonium into a small enough space that it goes critical oh right okay yes that's true that's true um and presumably there the that amara is it's got gonna be a lot of these around the planet to 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 destroy a whole planet right well, I there I don't think so. The way they set it up, um, so they they give a name to the alien substance. When when River and the Doctor get to Pullman's workshop, they're looking at the shelves and they're both gobsmacked because in front of them they're seeing apparently multiple jars of a substance called coralthracite. And coralthracite is a as River describes it an intelligent volatile compound. 
It can be uh, programmed, but very few people know how to program it. It is illegal, and possession of it carries the death penalty on every known world because it can blow up a planet. And they don't Mm -hmm. make it sound like you need a huge amount to do that. River confesses to the doctor that she has actually, even though she wasn't stealing jewels, she did use Corralthrocyte to blow a safe. (laughs) And he's not very happy with that revelation. Well, and and they they said that one one of the jewels owes me was a large jewel for the king. Mm Mm-hmm. In the, right, the king of England. Yeah. 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 So. so that that would be, you know, they'd make bigger and smaller jewels and spread them around and it can. Right. That's true. So you wouldn't need that many in order to destroy an entire planet, I guess. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. So when Pullman boards the ship in, you know, presumably in India or wherever it is that he's on, it's like he treats the jewels like his children. He's sort of obsessive about the jewels. Um you know he's got this we he talks to them and he when he, he's handing them out though to to various people kind of i guess continuing amara's mission of mm-hmm. of spreading the jewels around well he sees uh, the jewels obviously as a link to her mm. you know and that's part of it but then yeah he realized that her mission was to spread these jewels were you know throughout for whatever reason you know whatever reason that she, i don't I, I doubt she told him the reason why she wanted these jewels put because it yeah. doesn't really say anything like that that he knew that she was actually going to use them to destroy or as a uh, fail safe against the the world well he does know that he knows it he says it was never the intent to hurt any to kill anybody mm-hmm. he says that a few times he says they were a fail safe so he knows they've got some okay. kind of destructive function what i liked about him is they describe some of the artifacts and they don't focus on it a lot but they they talk about okay this one's made out of diamond this one's made out of ruby this one's made out of emerald and they have distinct forms like one of them is a clock that is in an in an emerald so you've got an enormous mm-hmm. emerald big enough to hold a 16th century clock mm-hmm. um the another which uh, river has that she carries around with her is a an emerald frog pendant I guess, or brooch or something, but it's described as the Emerald Frog. Right. Um, um, by the way, I found in my notes they were traveling from Persia. That that was the oh, okay. or modern day Iran. Uh, so that that's where he was coming from. Uh, yeah, and I mean Gerard isn't well, is he? I mean mentally or emotionally. I mean he's sort no. of. Uh, although at one point River asked the doctor, "Is he is Gerard good or bad? Pullman, is he good or bad?" And the doctor says. A bit of both, yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. I suppose describes humanity in general, right? <laughs> Most people are a bit of good and a bit of bad, uh, you know, all wrapped up uh, in in one package. Yeah, um, the bad is seems, he, the the bad yeah. is he killed his wife. The good is he's not really trying to kill anybody else. Right, right, right. I mean, that's pretty bad that he killed his wife because she was leaving him. That yeah, that's pretty pretty bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and it's it presumably has sort of broken his mind since then, I guess. Um, Setting us up for his suicide, right? And that becomes when the uh, sailors aboard the ship they think that he's he's a Jonah, he's cursed. uh, That uh, the ship, you know, he's odd to begin with, and he's carrying this Mm -hmm. giant treasure. And then the ship encounters bad weather, and sailors, being sailors, they're superstitious. They even call the uh, the 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 uh, the box that he's using a casket multiple times. Right, 
So you right. can imagine that he's actually got these jewels all in an actual casket. Yeah, I mean, casket used to have a more generic meaning, I think, you know, in the sense of just something that holds things. But they, they think that there's bodies in, in some of these mm-hmm. boxes, some of these caskets. Yeah. yeah. There's also a scene aboard ship. Now, this is – so you commented, Dom, about it be seeming kind of short. And I agree. I mean, it's an only an hour long, so it's not super long. To me, the first part of it, before they get to the ship, went a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um and there, and it, I was thinking, wow, this is a really simple plot so far, and all the complexity. Because in my summary, you could hear how complex it was. All that detail comes out in the second half. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it gets much more intellectually intense once they get on board the ship. They have a few encounters, like I mentioned, they find the Caralthra site in his uh, in his workshop. They also talk to a woman who is from upstairs with the improbable name Fanny Brokepot, (laughs) um, which which the doctor says, like, Fanny Brokepot, you know, like he doesn't really believe that's her name, but she says she's from upstairs and she's got a husband who has gout that is not well, and that's why she's coming down here to investigate the noises she's hearing in Pullman's shop. Um, And she gives them some background about Pullman and his wife, Amara, which kind of sets them up for Mm -hmm. what they later learn. Then when they get to the ship, they have the doctor interrogating uh, Pullman in his cabin. And meanwhile, River goes out and has a duel with the uh, with with the sailors, yep. where she's I guess imitating a pirate queen or something, and and she says she wins the sword fight, but then they cheated and used a pistol. Um, <laughs> but uh, the TARDIS, she 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 beams the TARDIS into uh, Pullman's cabin and gets out of it and is talking to the doctor, and and this like mystified the sailors. You know, they saw this blue box and she gets in it and and then it disappears and they force their way into the cabin now previously during the during the sword fight the captain of the ship captain bickle um had acute had told her that she was like a sea witch Mm -hmm. and river is like oh maybe i am um but uh but then when they force their way into the cabin and the TARDIS is there, and the sailors are wanting to, like, force their way into the TARDIS, you know, thinking it maybe is one of Bickle's caskets, or one of Pullman's caskets. Um, the doctor holds them off and says, if you thought the sea witch was scary, you should see what I keep in the laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And the sailors actually throw the TARDIS overboard uh, mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, and the Doctor and River have to jump overboard and board the TARDIS underwater, which is unique. Basically That's dive different... into the TARDIS. Yeah. Kind of uh, like River and... did in the uh, Silence episode. Yeah, except that was in the air. Like, this in was, the they, they, they had to dive into it from the water. And, of course, the, the shields or whatever they call it mm-hmm. uh, kept the water yeah. out for a time. Yeah, the Doctor says that they the atmospheric shield bubble won't hold at this depth and i'm like that's nonsense if it holds in space it'll hold underwater mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh but uh and then uh yeah they dive in the, but before that pullman get it jumps overboard to get, sort of uh commit suicide to get away from you know 
so I think maybe partly guilty conscience and partly to get away from the sailors. But he, like he knew he would do, he was doing. He knew he was good, yeah. killing himself. He he, he was yep. also suffering mentally, and and he heard the digital ghost of Omara saying in, in his head, "There's only one way to end the suffering." Mm. Right, right. Uh, so yes, he would. Uh, he, he so he jumped overboard, and they couldn't rescue him. They didn't see him. I guess like uh, the right. doctor asked River or. Was yeah, it, was he asked River. Yeah. Did you Did, see him? And she says she she didn't, and he's like, poor, poor Pullman. Yeah. Well, and they kind of hint that something bad happened to him because River's looking at the TARDIS databanks, and they look up his name and go, oh, you know, like how he ended and kind of went, kind of, yeah. they made it clear that it was a not pleasant death. Right. They knew ahead of time that he was going, like, they didn't tell us, but they knew, but it's clear in retrospect, they knew ahead of time he died, uh, on Dra- this trip. you know on this yep. trip jump you know diving over jumping overboard or falling overboard depending on how that gets recorded in the ship's log <laughs> so um, river river also knew about the fates of the crew mm-hmm. um because she tells captain bickle that cuz he's like i'm not going to be slain by a woman and it's like oh don't worry you won't be um <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but then he he takes that as a threat and so he says the sea witch uh, out of the presence of the doctor and river he says the sea witch told me that i'm going to die on this trip i intend to survive and since i'll never work for the east india company again um he decides to raid pullman's jewels mm-hmm. right right and literally uh, blast open the cabin with the cannon yeah. Yes. Which yes. is a little over the top. <laughs> yes. They got a, can- a cannon down there. Um, I mean, so, setting off a cannon and aiming at your own ship is not a good idea. Um, yeah. Just use an axe on the door if it's locked. They would have used an axe, yes. A cannonball <laughs> does, would, would not uh, stop just going through the door. It would keep going, yeah. presumably yep. through the side. Um, so Amara's people are the Repions, I, I were told, and they, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, Jimmy, they they find planets that could pose future threats, and then plant explosives on those planets so that if they do become a threat, then they they preemptively take them out. And I'm like, that is so devious. Like mm. it's like it's like it's worthy of the CIA. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> you wonder, you know, have we planted things? No, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> To our CIA handlers, no, we do not believe that you have planted things to blow up the earth. (laughs) (laughs) They do give us an example, though, which the doctor has been to of a world where this actually happened. Um, I mean, she's planted Mm -hmm. them on a bunch, but the doctor Mm -hmm. mentions a world named Dereka, which he at first says is like a barren rock. But then when he's talking to Amara, he says, I remember Dereka. And she explains um, that the planet had nukes. And they were ruining their own planet and had a lack of funds for terraforming. So they couldn't keep up their their ecosystem on the planet. And that was going to cause them to start exploring and conquering other planets. And she says they had explored the Repion galaxy. You know, they'd sent someone there. And they had a history of terminating native populations. So we triggered the the treasures on their planet. Um, and they can take other forms besides jewels. They mention like uh, books. And art uh, relics, also as treasure types that Omara mm-hmm. had used elsewhere. Um, so yeah, they did in Dereka, and the Doctor has to admit, well, yeah, Earth and the East India Company, some <laughs> some ne- not so great history with native populations. 
So said the Ripions directed the place. <laughs> um, I think it's it was interesting. Like they disguised the things as stuff we would love to make sure we didn't throw them away. We kept so we would keep them close. Uh, that's you know our yeah. the, the means of our own destruction would be kept close. Because you could always, you know, I guess, I mean, if you described them as something people don't want, you could throw them into a nuclear reactor or something or, you know, you could destroy them in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, keep, people keep them close by and then that's how we destroy ourselves. Kind of interesting. It, it's a bit of a stretch, frankly. I, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're going to plant explosives, you, you know, that could destroy a planet. You don't need to make them something you, know, you just bury it in the ground like where no one would find it you know it's yeah if you're going to destroy it so yeah like, it was a bit like, of a stretch like empress giorgio did in the final episode of uh of star trek discovery season one with the klingon home world <laughs> right right <laughs> yes that's exactly what she did um so the doctor you know at the end wants to keep amara's psychic trace alive on the tardis as you mentioned uh because he was afraid that if if the psychic trace died, that would it would be like a um, a fail safe trigger where she would trigger all the the jewels on all the planets. Um, oh, I didn't get that. Oh, okay, that's I what thought I thought. He just that wanted her to live so she yeah, could was, see exactly because oh, okay. he he views digital life as a form of life, and River is like, oh, what kind of a life would that be? And so she's mm-hmm. she's dissing on where she's going to end up, and he already knows that because he's already met her. Right. Okay. Okay. I guess, yeah, I guess I misunderstood then the the because sometimes the dialogue goes by really quick mm-hmm. and with the accents it can be uh, tricky to to, get to grasp. Yeah, I actually he, use a. He talked about more of trying to convince her that okay, you you need to see where the where Earth is going to end up. You need to see what the future of this planet oh. is. That destroying it would would be a you know would uh um yeah would damage the timeline and all that. Oh, okay. And, and and he talks about it in terms of the good that Earth's going to do. But frankly, if you look at all the future Earths we've seen, they're not utopias by any means on Doctor <laughs> no. Who. No. I, I, I guess you have – I mean, there tend to be soulless corporations running things. <laughs> um, but um, I guess there are planets where they have apple grass and everything is happy. Yeah. Don't show her 2024. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't show her 2024. Uh, she'll yeah. just uh, put us out of our misery right then and there. Um, but you know, there's an interesting line where uh, she, where the traces, she dies, quote unquote. Uh, the traces turned off, um, and the doctor does say, "I could have saved her," which brought to mind me two recent two episodes, the giggle and the fires mm-hmm. of Pompeii. The tenth doctor, you know, being all about, I could have saved them. Although right. in Fires of Pompeii, it wasn't the doctor; it was it was um, uh, Donna who was all about you could have saved them, uh, right. but it was in the giggle where the doctor was like, "I could save them." Uh, so it was kind of interesting to hear that I could have saved her. Uh, regret mm-hmm. uh, again. Yeah, but River points out to him she doesn't want this. She's yeah. so you can't impose your will on her and save her against her will. Mm. Right. Do we ever have? Is there are there any story? I know not in live action, but are there any stories about River post the silence in the library? Yes, yes. Yeah. There is an entire uh, box set of the Diary of River Song that is set in her digital afterlife. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That might be worth uh, if if you think it's mm-hmm. worthwhile. Yeah. Might be worth looking at because I'm yeah, curious. I've heard it. It's 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 yeah. interesting what they do with it. Yeah, nice. yeah. Um. All right, any other notes on this one, Father Corey? 
So the the actress who voices the the female voices, so Omara, the barmaid, and Fanny is Anjali. I'm gonna I'm gonna slaughter her name. Forgive me for that, but Anjali Mohindra, mm-hmm. and she's she's been in Doctor Who before. When when uh, the the Nikola Tesla episode, she was the the queen of the was the, the uh, scorpion people. Yep, yep, the queen of the scorpion people, and she is in a a relationship. Her partner is Sasha Dewan. So she's in a relationship with the master. <laughs> <laughs> she also pl- apparently played Rani Chandra in the Sarah Jean Adventures. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the Rani. Oh, she's Ron. Oh no, it's yeah. R- Rani was Rani as in the Time Lord. Yeah, no, no, Rani uh, was one of the main characters in oh. the Sarah Jane Adventures. She was one of the teens that Sarah Jane mm-hmm. took care of. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was, yeah, she was the, all of those female character names. Yeah, and I uh, want my Sasha Dewan Master set from Big Finish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Make it happen, Big Finish. Make it happen. <laughs> anything else, Father Corey? That, nope, that's it. it. Uh, how about you, Jimmy? Anything else? Nope, not really. Okay. So let's get to our feedback then. Uh, this feedback comes in on the two uh, two of the recent specials, uh, The Giggle and The Church on Ruby Road. It came from Matt via email who says, uh, A quick comment about The Giggle. I enjoyed your discussion as usual, but you missed the nifty, subtle callback that Russell T. Davies planted right at the very end of the episode. The last thing we hear from the 14th Doctor is a statement of how much he loves the moles that Wilf has been trying to shoot. This seems completely random unless one thinks back all the way to Ten's first appearance in the Children in Need special, Born Again, that preceded the Christmas invasion. There, in the process of assessing his new body, he announces, I've got a mole. I can feel it. Between my shoulder blades is a mole. That's all right. Love the mole. Uh, I have to admit that I didn't notice this myself. It was pointed out on the Doctor Who Flashcast podcast. Uh, and then he says, and, and concerning the church on Ruby Road, I'm sure it's already been pointed out by now, but Davina McCall was not mentioned in Bad Wolf, the the uh, Ninth Doctor uh, uh, episode. Rather, she voiced the Davina droid, her rom- robotic counterpart that controlled the futuristic Big Brother house the Doctor wakes up in. Um, so yeah, I remember the Big Brother house in that episode. I uh, the the. What I remember more, I mean, I remember, I think it was Linda with with a Y Mm -hmm. that the doctor was interacting with in the Big Brother house. Um, What I remember more is the weakest link with the android. Yes. Um, (laughs) Which was also voiced by Ann Richardson or whatever her name is. Um, The When it comes to the mole thing, so it's been forever since I've seen that Children in Need special. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it was like this year's, it's like a little scene, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I'd have to go back and check. I, I'd be, I would be somewhat skeptical since we're of, of a connection, since we're talking about two different types of moles, you know, the animal versus the skin formation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he said, love the mole in that, then, okay. Yeah, I'd agree. That's too on the nose to be a coincidence. That would be a deliberate callback. Now I, yeah. I never even seen. I didn't know that children need special even exist. I'll have to go find it now. Right? Is the Flashcast the the Doctor Flashcast? Is that the official Doctor Who podcast or a different one? Because uh, there I'm is not now, familiar with the, that one. Yeah, there because yeah. there is now a Doctor Who podcast. At least there was during the specials. I don't know official. Yeah, there yeah. there have been various official ones. Like there was yeah. one I remember back during the twelfth Doctor's time that had this. It was hosted by a young woman who had this enormous quiff of hair that she uh 
she was very proud of that looked kind of like the doctors. So oh, okay. there have been various various iterations, and you know, Doctor Who Confidential was another one. There's an there's another kind of new documentary mini series about the show now. It has a different name. So there have been a variety of different official ones, but there's loads of unofficial ones like ours. That's right. I have to be honest. I don't listen to um, a lot of other ones because <laughs> I have it's a not job. That not, yeah, well, that, well too. that too. I mean, I. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but uh, I kind of I tend to avoid ones that are on subjects that we also cover because I don't want to unconsciously, you know, mimic or s- steal from others. I mean, not steal, <laughs> but you know, I just I want to keep my own impressions my own, right. you know, that sort of thing. So, so uh, I, I looked I looked up the uh, Doctor Who Flashcast is uh, from a another podcast network called the Incompar- Incomparable. Oh, Incomparable. Incomparable. Oh, I can't even yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. Jason Snell's uh, yep. network. Yeah, Jason yeah. Snell, you know from Twit and CNET and things like that from yeah, way yeah. back he, when. He used to be the editor of Macworld. Um, I actually have listened to a lot of his other uh, podcasts, so th- those are really good. I recommend yeah. making his. Excellent. Well, I, I thank you, man. I have policy. Yeah. I check out the competition. <laughs> yes 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 uh the, 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 that is good because you actually bring uh some interesting stuff and you're probably better at segregating that out from your own thoughts which i, I would not be all right excellent so that brings uh, us to the end of this episode and before we go we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of doctor who including cheryl w jonathan f John D. and Kathy B., Stephen B., and Shay J. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Simon Yannick, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. We'd love to know what you think of Precious Annihilation. Uh, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, send an email to Who at sqpn.com, or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And, of course, you can watch the Secrets of Doctor Who on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media, where you can also leave a comment, and you can also like and subscribe. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the second Doctor story, The Invasion. And until then, Jimmy Yakin, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Dom. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, prove your people do this out of love and not fear, because everyone has their version of the thing they kill to protect. Yeah.